Hi there, my name is Jonathan. I'm the host here at The Venue RX, and our mission is to document and share the best practices for building, owning, operating, and managing world-class wedding venues. Our company, Common Sense Events, is a venue management company that consults, manages, and operates venues all over the US. I'm here to share the mindset and methods that have worked for us in the past and are working for us now as we continue to build our venue management company. Thank you so much for listening. Please consider subscribing and sharing this, and let's get to the show. COVID really changed a lot of things, especially how we structure Mormon weddings. So mm-hmm. like I said, you know, the reception, they had hundreds of people come. So during COVID, the only way we could do that was if we kind of like staggered invitation times. You know, we have a wave of invitations that say the reception starts at five and six and seven so that we were able to keep that line flowing instead yeah. of having like everyone come at once and have this huge long line it just flows better. You're listening to the Venue RX podcast. What's up, everyone? Jonathan here with the Venue RX. And on this show, we're passionate about documenting and sharing best practices around owning, operating, managing world class wedding venues. And we've been really excited about this venue owner series where we have been talking to real venue owners who, you know, have bought their properties or developed their properties and are actively running weddings and events on their property and just what it takes to run a really successful wedding venue and kind of some of the lessons that have been learned and some of the ways people are doing things uh, across the country. And it's been really, really cool connecting with each one of these individuals, hearing about their properties. And today's show, I'm extremely excited about, and I think you will be as well. We get to talk to someone who has a venue in Utah. And this on our show is the first venue owner that we've talked to in Utah. So I think it's going to be a special treat. And I'm really excited to welcome Sherelle Bernard to the show. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. I am really excited to chat and dive into your venue. You have a gorgeous venue. Um, I went to your website, of course, kind of during some of the some of the preparation for the podcast, and I loved. You're going to see an inquiry probably for me, or like one of the little pricing things, because I wanted to see. You've got a really cool. Um, way of just giving the viewer or the visitor to your website exactly what they want immediately. And I yes. love that. Like, that's so cool. So could you, before we get into that, because we're going to talk about marketing and some of those different things, I'm curious about you, a little bit of an origin story. Like, how did you get into this industry? Um, did you have a background in events? And kind of bring me up into the point of time when you decided uh, to start a wedding venue. Yeah. Um, so at the time that uh, we purchased the venue, it was an existing venue already. Um, I had been a stay-at-home mom for about five years. Um, and I was just kind of done with that. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with being a stay-at-home mom, but I just it just was not for me. So um, my dad was actually a real estate investor and just happened upon this venue that was for sale. Um, the previous owner wanted to carry the note. And my dad was like, hey, I really need someone to run this at the same time that I was kind of like, please, I need something to do. So um, <laughs> I went in with my dad and we purchased the venue. Um, but very quickly, I realized like, I really like this. And my husband really liked it as well. And he was doing kind of a full-time job at the time. Um, and we kind of went to my dad and was like, we kind of want to buy you out. We kind of just want to do this on our own. We really like this. Um, so then my father carried another note. So we had kind of like two notes going on um, when we when we started out. 
Amazing. Okay, so he originally purchased the pro. Did he? He originally purchased the property because he saw it as a great like investment opportunity, separate from the wedding. Yes. Okay. So it, so it well it was already a wedding venue. Oh, amazing. Okay. Yeah. So we we purchased the business and the property at the same time. Got it. Was that? Um, how was that just kind of breaking those two pieces apart? Because just from what I've heard from talking to other folks, a lot of times, you know, they're trying to figure out, should we value the business separately, the property separately? Should they both go together? What did that look like? Yeah. And it was the, the previous owner wanted to sell everything. So that was, that's what we wanted. Um, I, Personally, with a background in kind of real estate investing um, with my dad and everything, I wouldn't want to own a business without owning the land. Um, so like we just kind of combined it all together. And I know like years down the road when we refinanced it and paid off those notes and got like an SBA loan that they kind of had two separate loans going kind of one with the business and one with the land. Um, but it's all just kind of clumped into one thing. But I think in order to get the financing from the SBA they, you know, they had to figure out what's the business worth, what's the, the land worth and, you know, kind of combine it. So, so for that original deal, then you were able to lump everything together, but then when you went with the SBA, so it sounds like more structured loans or more like standardized loans, whether it's an SBA or whether for a bank, they're going to kind of want it more piecemeal. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Got it. At least that's how it was. With how we yeah, no, and it, it makes so much sense because, you know, if you, I guess you probably have the ability to be a bit more creative, you know, if you're just doing things on your own versus going through, especially SBA, which is going to give you a couple more hoops to jump through and things like that. Right. I th when we finally did get everything refinanced, it took about nine months of paperwork to get it all, like, get into a, like, commercial loan. Wow. So. So how long was the property existing as a wedding venue prior to your family's involvement? So the, it has on our property, it, we have like two acres and two different buildings and kind of the main building was built as a wedding venue in the late seventies. And then kind of the back building, which we call our barn, um, the previous owner built about eight years ago. So, um, but the main building had kind of been a wedding venue on and off different things. It was a school at one point, it was like an office. Um, and the previous owner was the one who turned it back into a wedding venue and built the barn. Got it. Got it. So then when you had it, how long have you owned the venue now? Um, for just over four years. Oh, very cool. Okay. When you got the business and I'm super curious about this, cause I think there's a lot of people who may not want to just build from the ground up and they might be thinking of purchasing an existing, you know, wedding venue with existing business. What was that transition yes. process like? Like were there weddings booked that you had to take over and introduce yourself to and all that? <laughs> Give me a little bit of that story. Yes. That, and that was probably one of the biggest headaches <laughs> is the previous owner. I, it was kind of mismanaged. Mm -hmm. Um, his main coordinator had kind of quit a year before they had a lot of bad reviews coming in. He was refunding a lot of things. It was just kind of chaos. Yeah. Um, and he just wanted to be done. And so when we stepped in the, the biz, we had to completely rebrand to get away from all those negative reviews. We had to completely rebrand yet. We still had a lot of his clients that he booked in the way that he was running a business booked with us. 
So it was, it was a couple year transition to being able to get our own clients that we were booking, you know, in kind of the way that we wanted to run the venue. So that transition took a long time and was, um, those first few months were really difficult, you know, cause we had the way that we wanted to run the venue, how we wanted to, I guess, what's the word, you know, the, the degree of, of quality customer service that we wanted to provide. Yeah. versus the clients that were booked, it, it was not aligned. Totally. Yeah, the experience that you wanted and envisioned versus the experience that was currently happening was sounds like it was pretty right. <laughs> pretty far apart. So to try to like match expectations of the clients took a while. Got it. Got it. So you, this uh, venue is in Utah. And like I said in the beginning, you know, it, you are the first venue that we're talking to in Utah. Um, are there differences... To, do you feel like there's differences based on what you've learned about the industry in uh, venues in Utah, just kind of in general, maybe culturally, or yes. um, are there a lot of similarities? Kind of walk me through that. So culturally in Utah, weddings are very different than from outside of the country because you have a heavy, heavy Mormon influence in Utah. Um, and so how weddings are structured in Mormon culture is the couple has their ceremony in a temple. And then they come to our venue and they do a luncheon with like the people that were at the temple. And then they have their reception where hundreds of people come, kind of say hi, grab a dessert and leave. Hmm. And so that's kind of like the Utah Mormon culture type of wedding. And then we have the other weddings that are more, um, I think, standard kind of across the country where you kind of have the same group all night, you do a ceremony, you serve dinner at the reception, you have a bar and you party. And so it, it, we had to structure our packages to kind of fit both ways to do a wedding. Totally. Which has also been yeah, well, I have so many questions now about this. So the, cause I've never, I, I transparently am just not aware of like what culturally a uh, culturally appropriate or acceptable Mormon wedding would look like. I've never been to one. Uh, and maybe for many of our listeners and viewers, they haven't either. So for that traditional style where someone is going to the temple and there's a lunch, is the lunch held at the venue? Yeah. So we have two different buildings and a lot okay. of times we'll hold their lunch in one and then their reception on the other. So do those people leave or is it generally the people who came to the lunch, do they leave or typically is it just an add on? So maybe there's 50 people at the lunch and then there's 250 that people that show up for a total of 300. Right. So the people that have been there all day, because Mormon weddings kind of are all day, you're at the temple, you do pictures of the temple, then you go to the luncheon, do pictures of the luncheon. Usually like grandparents and kids have had it by then. Mm -hmm. So they leave. And the reception is more of like, um, so in the LDS church and the Mormon religion, um, your communities are structured in what's called wards, like your congregation's called a ward. And typically you invite everyone in your ward. Oh, wow. So, so it's like hundreds of people. They come, they go through a line, they congratulate you, they grab a dessert. Mormons rarely, rarely serve anything other than sugar. <laughs> at their reception um and then they leave so got it's it. kind of like this flowing reception got it not like something traditional where you're like what i'm thinking of a wedding where the reception is people come they stay they hang out and i guess there's that piece of dancing and drinking and things like that so being in utah then i mean a bar is such a, a 
crucial part of what most people think of a wedding. Right. I mean, I just talked to some yeah. folks in Texas. You know, they're like, "Oh, we got our our uh, you know TABC license because the bar was a big part of our our business model." You don't have that piece. It sounds like for some of the weddings, but we then don't have that piece for our Mormon weddings. Okay. And and here's another part that's kind of different is a, a Mormon engagement is typically only three to four months. Oh wow. So so uh, so our our I don't know what to call them. Our, our normal weddings, I hate to say normal weddings, but like yeah. the traditional type of weddings, they typically are booking out our weekends about a year in advance. Yes. And then the Mormons come in and kind of fill in the weekdays. So oh. our weekday weddings are usually the Mormon weddings, Wednesday, Thursday, and then Friday, Saturday, we're doing bar weddings. What is the, the percentage maybe, or just like the divide of how many... Um, Again, I don't. Let's not use the word traditional. Maybe more uh, cr like Christian versus the LDS style wedding. Uh, what is the difference of percentage? Like, do, are you doing half and half? More of like a traditional Mormon style wedding? Is it sixty forty? I think when we started out, it was pretty half and half. But as we've gained a reputation and our facility is really great for the type of uh, wedding that's not mormon and we typically book out dates so the mormon weddings are coming in they're like hey we're getting married in three months and it's like okay well i have a wednesday and sometimes they don't want a wednesday you know yeah so we're, we're doing less and less mormon weddings probably a quarter okay um where i think it used to be more half and half got it that's this is fascinating because it totally changes everything that i think of as far as you know your profit margin, the labor that you have to have on the property, um, even just cost structure. I mean, like what, what's an average for a traditional wedding that's booked in a three or four month window? What is the range that people are, are paying or willing to pay? You know, um, it kind of, it kind of evens out. They're structured differently, but doing a dessert for 400 people usually is about the same as doing a dinner for 80. You know what I mean? True. So, so they're not going to have like that ceremony part, but they are going to have, uh, you know, like a luncheon, which is quite a bit of, um, very similar to what people would spend food wise for a regular reception. And then you're doing like some type of dessert or like, um, Utah soda bars are kind of really popular. Okay. Um, and then for, you know, hundreds of people. So yeah. it, it they end up spending about the same as as our other type of weddings. Got it. I, I love that. The soda bar thing is very cool. I'm actually on the back end of a full year of sobriety. I, I just like, we've got five kids. People do ask if we're Mormon. I'm like, no, we just, we just want to, wanted to have a big family. Um, but I decided yeah. at the beginning of this year, you know, I want to take a full year off of drinking and I can't tell you how much I appreciate when there's other, you know, non-alcoholic options. It's been really cool, but that's something that I never realized before. So in this model, it's completely driven by that. Um, a couple more questions about this. Cause I'm totally, I'm just like fascinated in how weddings look differently in different parts of the country. So when you have a, a, a wedding where it's kind of lunch focused for the main portion of the meal, is that where you're having caterers? Is that where you're having other vendors come in? Or is everything that you do provided by your venue in-house? 
Um, so we kind of gradually added a bunch of in-house elements, but right now we are doing all the catering in-house, bar services in-house, um, cake and floral, we have optional in-house. We do allow people to choose a different cake artist or florist, um, but we have all of the coordinating and all the decor um, setup is also in-house. So the couple really only needs to get like a DJ if they want a DJ, but we do have a sound system. Um, uh, an officiant if they're doing their ceremony at our facility um, and a photographer. Got it. Okay. So you really, it is a kind of a one-stop shop for a lot of things, it sounds like. Um, how does that vary? Are there differences in packages for uh, more traditional Mormon weddings or more kind of um, weddings that, that people are used to, used to going to with the cocktail hour, reception, that kind of style? Right. Um, so we have, all of our weddings are very customizable as far as how they do the packages. We have like the reception package where if you book with us, you do need to do the reception package. Then you can add a ceremony if you want, because a lot of our clients don't need a ceremony. Yeah. And then you can add a dinner or a luncheon to that. And then from there, each reception ceremony and dinner package can be customized as well. So we have like our silver, our gold and our diamond in each category. Got it. Do you, did you partner with a catering company to provide those things or did you go out and hire a chef and do all the sourcing? Like what was that process like? Yeah. Um, so when we very first started, we were just doing like the coordinating and decor aspects. Uh, we had a large inventory from the previous owner of tables, chairs, linen, centerpieces, that sort of thing. So that's what we started with. Um, the next thing we added was in-house catering. So we did hire a full-time chef and we have a kitchen staff. Um, then we got our liquor license, which in Utah is also very difficult and <laughs> months and months of paperwork, but we did get a liquor license. Um, and then we also added the cakes and the, this past year we added florals. Got it. And they're all in-house, like our, our employees. Makes sense. That, so this is incredible, by the way, really quick, because, um, you know, you're, you're a stay-at-home mom. I know my wife is, like, we run the business together. We own our company together. She could not just do the stay-at-home mom thing. She definitely wears, you know, both hats. She's our COO. And then, you know, she also is the COO of, of our home. She's more like the CEO of our home. <laughs> but... <laughs> You know, um, I think it's really cool because you went from from that to just like running this full scale business with employees with I mean, you took on catering like you really jumped in and did a lot of the different things. So, I mean, huge kudos to you. I'm curious about more of the uh, operations pieces of the business. So. When I'm thinking about that, I'm thinking about like, how do you do your, you know, scheduling? Are you the person who does the scheduling? Like, what does your day in, day out look like? How many employees do you have? What does your team look like? Give me a, a little bit of a picture of what um, some of those elements of your business look like. Yeah. So we are open Tuesday through Saturday um, and close Sunday and Monday. It's in Utah. It's too hard to staff Sundays. We just didn't even try um, so we're closed Sundays and Mondays and Tuesdays is kind of like our office day, our prep day. It's when we get our shipments in for food and linens and all of that. And then we host weddings Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So um, my husband and I are co-owners. Um, and then we have um, two venue directors under us who are also married. Um, and I handle like all of the inquiries, everyone that downloads the pricing brochure on the website, 
I'm getting their information and texting them. That's me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yep. I handle all of the tours and all of the bookings and then like all of the invoicing. So that's my portion. Um, my husband does all of the venue maintenance. He does the accounting. And then he also is our bar manager and handles all of like the bar inventory and scheduling for the bartenders. Um, then we have our two venue directors. We have Shawnee who um, does all of our like consultations, all the scheduling for the consultations. Um, and then um, communicates that information to the rest of the team. Um, and then our other venue director, Marshall, he um, does all the hiring, all the onboarding, um, knows how to do everything at the facility. So when, you know, three people call in sick, he jumps in and he helps out. Um, and just, he also runs like our social media and coordinates with vendors. Got it. And then kind of below that, we have our setup manager. So they're in charge of de like decor and linen inventory and making sure day of, they're usually here from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. doing the setup for the wedding, making sure everything's good to go. And then we have um, our kitchen manager um, who's over, you know, the kitchen crew and, and um, they handle all the catering I'm trying to think of what the third category is. Oh, the actual events. <laughs> then we have our event manager who's over like the day of coordinators, the hosts and the event staff. And then we also have like our in-house floral department and our landscaping team. Wow, you have quite a team. And something that is like still so fascinating to me and I'm trying to just wrap my mind around this. How challenging is it when you have maybe back-to-back -back weddings, you've got like a Thursday wedding that's more, you know, traditional Mormon wedding, and then you switch, you know, your like chairs and tables, I assume, are going different places. The pace of the event's gonna be different. You can only do one event a day, correct? Right, we only host one event a day. Yeah. Okay, so are you pretty much booked Tuesday through Saturday, or do you generally have- So have Tuesdays are prepped day. Yeah, so Tuesday's like our prep day and our rehearsal day consultations. And then we host weddings Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And April through October, we book almost every Wednesday through Saturday. And then November through March, maybe one a week. It's kind of our off season. Our venue is very like indoor, outdoor. And a lot of people book us for the mountain views at the ceremony site, um, which isn't super usable in the winter yeah okay so, so yeah. it is driven by those seasons but that's pretty incredible because then once you start that week on wednesday like if you have a full week i mean you're just go 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 yeah set Legit up cook put on the put on the wedding clean up do it again how late do weddings typically run um so our customers we give them the facility from about 3 30 to 10 they can add additional hours on if they want, um, but typically their send off is at ten, and that's when we start cleaning up. and our And our cleanup crew and event staff are usually out of here by eleven, eleven thirty. Got it. Okay, so you're giving them that seven seven hour window, something like that, for mm -hmm. their event. Um, talk to me about the 
the bar a little bit more. I'm curious about this because, you know, obviously on one side, no bar at all. On the other side, people want the bar. And as you know, as you said, you're kind of getting more and more bookings into the future. So maybe you're doing 75, 25. For the, yeah. for the bar, uh, how challenging was it getting a liquor license for your venue in Utah? Um, fairly challenging. The, the liquor laws in Utah are very strict. Um, and we had to apply for a certain type of liquor license. Um, and that particular liquor license, the bar has to be like six foot by three foot and on wheels hmm. so that you can wheel it out of the way when you have Mormon weddings, because I don't want to see the bar. <laughs> so, um, so it, it comes in handy because our bar can be transformed and used into different things for the weddings that it's not a bar. Makes sense. Was that, how long of a process was that? It was about um, four months of just like paperwork and interviews and getting approved. Um, and then once we are, the laws, the liquor laws in Utah are like very strict and kind of different. Um, we can't like pre-sell alcohol. It has to be the night of, we have to keep track of every single drink and charge them for like each individual drink. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So, so it's, it's it's not a ahead. it's not a cash bar situation, or or is it a, more of a cash bar? We offer different options. They can do an open bar and just pay the tab at the end, but we still have to like ring everything in. Or they can do a cash bar and everyone can pay for their own drinks. Or what we have is uh, our most chosen option is a tab limit. Okay. So the the wedding party you know, the couple pays for the first thousand dollars or two thousand dollars or however the much they want to and then it switches to a cash bar. Oh got it. So they'll kind of take care of their guests up to a certain amount and then if someone's, you know, trying to drink more then then they yeah. will. <laughs> got it. Got it. Gosh, that's that's so fascinating. It's curious. It's really cool that you do both, but you have that extra dynamic in there of of you know serving both those needs. And so it is that's, that's really interesting. I'm going to have questions. I feel like people are going to comment. So like, if you do have questions for Sherelle and you, and you know, you want to put those in, in the comments, definitely, definitely let us know. Talk to me about your marketing. Talk to me about your website. And when you first got into the industry, did you work with a coach? Did you work with, do you have any mentors or advisors or anything um, like that to kind of get you where you are now? Or was it just all trial and error? Um, so we bought the facility, um, August, 2018. And I quickly realized I had no idea what I was doing. <laughs> so I started, um, you know, looking around and I found the wedding MBA conference, um, which was held in November and just kind of on a whim. I think I bought tickets like the day before. I don't know. I just drove down there. We're close to Vegas. And I took in everything. Every class was like, oh my gosh, I'm doing everything wrong. Um, <laughs> and took all that back and went back. And, and that definitely saved my business. Just being able to like be there with other professionals and just ask questions and know how to structure my pricing and how to structure my website and different things like that. Got it. Wedding MBA is awesome. I went last year. I missed this year. Have you been back since 2018? Yeah, so we went in 2019, and then we went just last week. Oh, amazing. Yeah. 
Very cool, very cool. I missed you then. I was at the year before, the one right after COVID, but I didn't go this past year. And definitely missed everyone there, but um, excited to go again next year. So that's really neat. Talk to me about your marketing. So how are you driving leads to the website? Are you using social media? Are you on like The Knot and Wedding Wire and different listing sites like that? Or are there more community-based things? You know, where are you getting most of your traffic from? Yeah. Um, so Joe Rare, I don't, do you know Joe? Yeah. Yeah. So Joe Rare is um, the person who runs our advertising. Um, so when you downloaded the pricing brochure on our website, it goes through like his software called Engaged. Um, and we signed on with Joe when we went to the wedding MBA in 2019. Okay. Um, on top of that, we also have a listing with what's called Salt Lake Bride. It's a Utah directory that has pretty good SEO. Um, and that's pretty much it. Got it. Are you on Instagram? I'm not, so I'm familiar with Joe, the venue association. Um, I'm actually trying to get him on the podcast. So if you talk to him, be like, Hey man, (laughs) go on the podcast. Um, but our, our, what does that software, what does the engage software, uh, do for, for you guys? Yeah. So they, they run our advertising, um, on our social medias. Okay. They run ads and then they capture those leads. I don't know exactly what it does, but I do know. So I have a software. Every single person who downloads the pricing brochure on our website, it, start, it starts a text and email conversation with them. And then if they respond to that, so they get a text saying, hey, what date are you looking to book for your wedding? They respond Ooh. and they go, oh, we're looking at September 2023. Then I get, that's when I get notified. Yeah, I, I got it right here. Yes. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah, this so if is you really... were to reply to that, yeah. that's when I get a notification and then I can respond to them. Be like, oh, great. We have that date available. Would you like to schedule a tour? And then go from there. Got it. Oh, of course. Now I have to, I have to respond. <laughs> that's perfect. I just responded. No, I, I love that. It's so cool because, you know, people are on mobile, like 80, 90% of our traffic across all of our venues is all mobile. Um, and whether that's on the website, whether that's, I mean, everything is done through people's phones and people are busy. So I love, there's a lot of intentionality around that that makes it really easy for people. What about your website? Did you uh, hire out someone outside to help you do that? Did you build it yourself? What did you use? Um, so our very, the very first kind of venue director that was on staff when I bought the facility, she really helped me kind of cultivate what we were doing. And her husband was the one that put our, um, website together okay four years ago we've done ups, updates and kind of restructured since then but he built it in wix which okay. super easy to edit i know there's different opinions on whether wix helps you with your seo or not but it's worked for us so yeah it's interesting there are definitely debates wix squarespace we were on we had a weebly site for a while and then we moved to wix and then now we've transferred all everything over to squarespace so we've <laughs> Yeah. We've tried a couple of things, but I mean, they're all fundamentally similar and you can get some really cool layouts and designs. Um, yeah. that, that totally makes a lot of sense. Okay. Awesome. Well, we're going to wrap up. I have another question, but I also, I have to give you a warning at the end of the episode. We, I always ask what's the least favorite part. What's your least favorite part about owning and operating your venue? And then what's your most okay. favorite part? We got to end on a high note, obviously. Uh, so, but yeah, before then really quick, I want to ask, you know, as you look towards the future, continuing to book out your property and kind of 
how you want the business to evolve. What are some things that you're thinking of adding on to your business or what are kind of some of the things that you want to do maybe for 2023 to increase your business? Um, I feel like we've kind of hit a sweet spot as far as how many like in-house services we want to have. And now it's just kind of honing in what we're doing already and just creating a culture where people love to work here. Um, and just really elevating like our customer service experience. Got it. That's huge. That's such a, that's such a good thing. You kind of have to get to that equilibrium, that like that place where, you know, your pricing is correct. You know, your yeah. Oh, and I don't think we touched on that. Do you have a, a sense of like how much weddings typically cost? Um, what's maybe a venue fee and then how much cumulatively do people end up spending when everything is said and done, whether that's on kind of a traditional wedding site or a, you know, traditional other style wedding yeah um so at our venue people end up spending on average about 10 grand um <laughs> and like i said we handle pretty much everything they'd still need like a photographer officiant dj dress and invitations so whatever portion that is um but at our venue they end up spending about 10 grand usually got it and that's kind of an all-in cost yes okay wow that's awesome i mean that's that's very affordable compared to, you know, elsewhere people are spending 20, 30, $40,000. Right. Like, we actually get um, a lot of people that come from out of state because they want like the mountains in the background of their, of their um, ceremony. And they're like, wow, you guys are so affordable. Yeah. Um, and which is funny because people who live in Utah are usually like, you guys are kind of expensive. <laughs> <laughs> so you are on the higher end, like locally. Yeah. I mean, the only people that are kind of more expensive than us are like the resorts, things like that. We're on the higher end because we are full service and we're doing everything for them. All the setup, all the takedown, they just show up and enjoy their wedding, totally. um, which fits for a lot of people with what they're looking for. Um, but it kind of was a hard sell at first. We're like, no, this is what we want to do. And people are like, especially with the Mormon culture, they're used to just kind of like, no, grandma's going to cook the food. And and the people in the ward and the congregation are going to, you know, staff it. And I'm like, no, we're not doing that. Do you yeah. want to book with us? We're going to handle it. We're going to make sure it's running absolutely beautifully and make sure we have the quality control. Um, and, and some people love that. Yeah. So that's, those are the people that we, that we book. Okay. So Sherelle, one quick bonus question before we get to the final, final two, you know, as you've been in business for four years, um, four, it's been four seasons, correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So as you've been in business, you've been handling the inquiries, you've been talking to couples. Have you seen any change in what couples are looking for from the experience, whether they are, um, you know, couples from out of state, couples in state, Mormon couples, et cetera. Like, have you seen a change and kind of felt a difference in what people are looking for? Yeah, I think there was a huge change for us as far as like finding our niche and figuring out what customers we wanted to attract. And that might be the biggest change I've seen is like, we've really just in our advertising and on our reviews and everything, we've, we found our niche. So I feel like there's less of like fighting with people of like, no, you want to book us, you want these services and people are just finding us. Um, but obviously, you know, COVID really changed <laughs> a lot of things, um, as far as how we structure, especially how we structure Mormon weddings. So, mm. like I said, you know, the reception, they had hundreds of people come. So during COVID, the only way we could do that was if we kind of like staggered invitation times. Mm -hmm. Okay. 
So, you know, we have a wave of invitations that say the reception starts at five and six and seven so that we were able to keep that line flowing um, and have everybody come, but still meet our like health department's codes. And yeah. that's just kind of something that we've kind of just kept doing because it was really nice. Instead yeah. of having like everyone come at once and have this huge long line, it just flows better. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. So for the final two questions, least favorite part of owning your venue and the most favorite part, why don't you kick us off? Um, least favorite part. Um, gosh, I think as far as for me, our venue is very seasonal, you know, April through October, we're basically, you know, full-time we have full staff in October it dwindles down and just you know I wish I could keep everyone on full-time mm -hmm. you know but we just can't afford to do that in the winter and so we kind of have to get a new staff every season as far as like you know event staff and kitchen staff it's it's hard to keep those people I wish we could afford to just keep everyone on full-time even though we're not hosting weddings in the winter so that's that I think is the biggest struggle I'm having right now is just like, darn, I wish we could keep everyone on, but you know, it just doesn't work that way. The seasonality of that. That makes a lot of sense. That is, yeah. that is definitely tough. And then how about your favorite part? My favorite part is definitely the people that I work with. Like I just, I love our team and our job is fun. We come in and we're hosting weddings. Like it's so fun. Our job is, it's nice to have people that you're surrounded by who enjoy their job, are having a fun time. And, you know, it's it's always different. There's always a problem to be solved. And so it's so nice to like host these beautiful weddings and know that all those pieces that had to go into place to pull that off, we did it, you know? Totally. And it happened, it sounds like, with a really cool team that you have all coming together. That. I know from experience that is really rewarding. It would be less, it would be substantially less fun if we did what we did, but we didn't have the people involved, like the, the group of people, it, it makes a huge difference. Well, Sherelle, thank yeah. you so much for coming on uh, this show. Like it's been so cool. I still have so many questions, but just with the time we have, we might have to have you back on, <laughs> do a part two of this one and, and just ask a bit more about um, just the Utah market and the experience and everything. But I appreciate you sharing your, your insight, your uh, process, your venue with us. And for anyone who is curious, you know, we are gonna have everything for Oak Hills uh, Reception and Event Center on, uh, in the description. So you can go click there and you can see you know, the, her gorgeous venue, all sorts of different pictures and things like that. Uh, if there is a one place that you could direct people to connect with you, whether that's email or social media, wherever, where would that be? Um, on our website, it has our contact information. My email address is on there. Info at oakhillsutah.com is a great place to get a hold of me. Okay, cool. Awesome. All right, everyone. Well, thank you so much for joining us today for uh, this episode of the Venue Owner Series, and we will see you all in the next episode. Hey there. Thanks so much for listening. If you are a return listener, could you do me a huge favor and consider rating and reviewing the show? We don't run ads, we're not really looking to do that, but we do wanna grow the show, and so my ask to you is you take a moment or two and rate the show wherever you're listening to it, whether that is Apple Music, Spotify, uh, even if you're on you know, YouTube, I'd love, to, I'd love to hear from you. Please shoot me a DM though on Instagram so that I can thank you personally, and I'd love to shout you out as well. I appreciate you more than you can imagine. All right, back to the show.